0: When our kids were little, uh, we would uh, occasionally vacation in the Outer Banks, and uh, one year that we did, uh, we, it was a beautiful, beautiful day, and uh, we decided to go uh, to this boat rental place and rent uh, a little skiff boat uh, and go out on the Albemarle Sound, and uh, as we went into the, the rental place, the, the the sky was this, this beautiful Carolina blue Uh, The sun was up. It was just so nice. And so we got in a little skiff boat. This was actually the first time I'd actually uh, been at the helm of a boat uh, as uh, the captain. And we went out for about 30 minutes on the sound. And about 30 minutes into our little uh, excursion, uh, I noticed that uh, clouds started rolling in. And uh, the uh, wind started picking up. And then all of a sudden it started raining. And so I figured it's only my first time uh, driving a boat, if you will, but I know smart enough to get in. Well, I'm telling you, it took us 45 minutes to get back into the dock. We were going against the wind. A storm came up really quickly, as it does in that area. Uh, we, riding against the wind, waves kicking up. Uh, even the sound there, which is fairly shallow, started having white caps. We had taking water over the bow. It was, uh, my kids now remember it as quite an adventure, but it was frightening to say the least. Well, that little analogy pales in comparison. But in some ways, I wonder if that's how some of the bystanders felt during the last week of our Lord. On Palm Sunday, or uh, the first part of the week that we now call Palm Sunday, it was a sunny celebration. He rode into Jerusalem, and we call it Palm Sunday because people took up palms and they waved them and said, Hosanna, Hosanna. And then clouds started rolling in as Jesus gathered with His disciples to share the Passover feast. And there we learn that indeed Judas was going to go through with his plan to betray Jesus. And then the wind starts whipping up as Jesus was arrested after His time in the Garden of Gethsemane. And then my, oh my, didn't the storm roll in? the storm of all history roll in as He was mocked, beaten, insulted, and executed on a cross. The cross is the most compelling image in all of Christianity along with the empty tomb. On the surface, the cross is gruesome. But dig a little deeper into the purpose of the cross and we find it immensely glorious. Without the cross, there would be no life. Isn't that a great paradox? It is natural for us to think about life before death, but in our faith, indeed, dying precedes kingdom living. Dying to ourselves is one of the great ultimatums, great challenges that Jesus gave to His disciples. In Matthew sixteen twenty-four through 25 He said, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will find it. Did you hear that requirement? We're all familiar with entrance requirements, aren't we? To enter a certain degree program, you have to score a certain number on a test or take certain prerequisite classes. If you want a Virginia driver's license, there are certain requirements you have to meet, and aren't we glad for that? Even to be eligible for retirement, we have to meet certain age requirements. In these areas of life, we want to meet the entrance requirement, so to speak. Well, Jesus here issues the great requirement. The entrance exam, so to speak, of being a disciple if you want to be my disciple he says you have to deny yourself and take up your cross he took up his cross for our sakes and he calls us to take up ours for his but just like jesus he didn't just issue this challenge to us he modeled it this week is as we have already mentioned here at Old Town Community Church, we're going to take a journey through Holy Week. And I hope that you will join us along with the churches of South Washington on Thursday and and on Friday. And Brian will tell you more about that at the end of our service. I hope you will join us for our Easter outdoor service at 8 a.m. and then our Easter online service in here at 11. Uh, I'll be bringing the message at both those services, and it'll be different messages. Uh, So uh, come join us uh, for both. Opportunities. I hope you will walk through Holy Week with us. What I want to do today, though, is I want us to consider what it means to take this challenge. I want us to consider what it means to take up our cross. And what I'd like to do is take a look at that moment when Jesus made the resolution to take up his. So we can. Learn a little more about what it means to take up hours. So if you will, uh, turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 26, verses 36-46. through 46. Turn or launch your Bibles there, and I'll read the text for us. It reads like this. Then Jesus went with His disciples to a place called Gethsemane, and He said to them, sit here while I go over there and pray. He took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with Him, and he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Going a little farther, he fell with his face to the ground and prayed, My father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me, not as I will, but as you will. Then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Couldn't you men keep watch with me for one hour? He asked Peter. Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. He went away a second time and prayed, My father, if it is not possible for this cup to be taken away unless I drink it, may your will be done. When he came back, he again found them sleeping because their eyes were heavy. So He left them and went away once more and prayed the third time, saying the same thing. Then He returned to the disciples and said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Look, the hour has come and the Son of Man is delivered into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us go. Here comes my betrayer. Will you pray with me? Lord, our prayer today is that You would take our lives, Lord, and let them be consecrated, Lord, to Thee. Take our moments and our days and let our lives flow in endless praise to You, our Savior. Amen. Let's take a closer look at what it means to take up our cross by looking at how Jesus modeled this command. Let's first look at your cross and your will. The human will can be incredibly powerful. Just ask any parent of a a toddler or a teenager, right, Pastor Brian? The will is incredible. And a strong will can be really good. In 1917, Glenn Cunningham was eight years old when a fire broke out at his small little country school. His brother was lost in the fire, but he was pulled out still alive, even though uh, doctors thought he was going to die. He was in the hospital for, for days and weeks, and his left leg was severely injured. He lost the toes on his left foot. His leg was misshapen. But finally, he was released to go home, and the doctors told his parents he would never walk again. His parents, every day, would massage and stretch his legs, just to help him hopefully regain some use. But they knew he would be bound to a wheelchair. His mother would roll him out into the yard in the wheelchair uh, to get sun on sunny days. And one day she rolled him out. And he, after she went inside the house, he threw himself out of the chair and then crawled on the ground over to the white picket fence that lined their yard. And he pulled himself up and then he started walking the circumference of the fence and he would walk around the yard holding the fence day after day after day he wore a path out in the yard well eventually because of his will and his determination he was able to walk on his own without holding the fence but Cunningham decided you know what wherever he would walk he would run and he became this incredible runner he even was uh, a, run, a runner in college and even eventually made the Olympics. And at one point, Glenn Cunningham held the record for the fastest mile. The power of his will and of course the grace of God enabled him to walk and to run and to soar. By the way, his favorite Bible verse was Isaiah forty thirty-one. In order to fully understand this command of Jesus to take up our cross, we have to wrap our minds around the power of our will. And just as in Glenn Cunningham's case, our will can be a really good thing. You hear people make bold statements all the time when it comes to our will. She had a will to endure great suffering. Where there is a will, there is a way. Even the idea of our last will, our last want, our last desires, our last will and testament is a legal document that has power and it binds what we want to have happen. What we see in this powerful moment from the life of Jesus is that in order to take up the cross, we have to do business with our will. We have to submit this powerful force in our lives called our will. Jesus said, not my will, but yours be done. Hear the weight of that. Jesus is saying, God, not what I want to do, but what you want to do. There are times when we follow the Lord that we actually have to not only deny our sense of will, but if you will, the great attachments of our heart and even deny our feelings. This gripping scene with Jesus and His disciples, they had just experienced the Passover feast and were in the garden praying. His closest friends, His inner circle was there with Him. No doubt His mother was not far away because she ended up at the cross with Him. And as He contemplated the cross of of His cross in Gethsemane, He had to be holding them close in his heart. Can you imagine the rush of emotions? Can you imagine that not only was he thinking about dying an agonizing death, but the pain that would fall into their heart as well? He denied the power of these feelings to control his destiny, and he submitted them to the will. Of the Father. Not my will, but your will. Not what I want, but you want. There is so much wrapped up in this moment. Our feelings can take us to a deep place of love and joy in our faith. We can feel great joy over our salvation. We can be captured and enthralled with the glory and majesty of God. Even feelings that are difficult can lead us to spiritual maturity. The feeling of remorse over sin can move us to a place of repentance. Sorrow for those who are grieving and suffering can lead us to a depth of maturity and mercy and service and compassion that is extraordinary. Yet, our feelings can be fickle, can't they? Our feelings can creep up and begin to challenge our loyalty to Jesus. Our feelings can whisper words of doubt. They can whisper words of temptation. And once indulged, can lead us into sin. Exacting revenge starts as a feeling of anger. The sin of envy usually is driven by feelings of insecurity or pride or greed. Saying yes to a relationship that does not bring honor to God is often driven by feelings of, of loneliness, denying our feelings at times. Maybe some would say, the, as the Bible says, denying our flesh is where the rubber hits the road in discipleship. Jesus didn't allow His feelings to keep Him from submitting His will to the Father's will. Please hear me here. There will be times that Jesus calls you to deny yourself and to take up your cross, and you will not want to. You will not feel like following. You will not feel like sacrificing. But Jesus says, come. Follow me anyway. Because that's where the real life is. Let's look at your cross and God's mission. Jesus said to His Father, Not my will but your will. He knew the grand plan. He knew what was on the other side of the denial and the intense suffering. He knew it was glorious, epic, triumph, victorious. He knew all these things would happen over sin and death. Evil would once and for all be vanquished. Yes, my friends, Jesus will call you to carry your cross and to suffer with him and this call also includes sharing in his glorious victory and triumph there's no greater joy than we ha- when we have poured out our lives and sacrifice to Jesus this is what he means by saying we will find our lives we will find what life is truly all about when we sacrifice ourselves for his sake and for others and crucial to understanding of what it means to take up our cross is also understanding what is at stake. An athlete can go through times of intense training and sacrifice because she knows the end goal in mind. A scientist can spend years in the lab and sacrifice hours of free time with the idea that there is a cure that can save the lives of others in mind. Jesus went to the cross with the end in mind the redemption and rescue of the souls of humankind that is our mission he invites us to share in the rescue and the redemption of humankind we may not always see the fruit of our labor but we know the grand plan sharing his love in word and deed evangelizing the world making disciples and glorifying god is our mission. And the beautiful promise is when you look at the whole of Scripture, Jesus invites us to take up our cross and he promises us, he promises to give us the strength to carry it. Let me say that again. Jesus doesn't say to you, take up your cross and follow me and then say, well, good luck. I hope you can carry it. I hope you're strong enough. Let me see how you can do it. No. He says, take up your cross and follow me. Then He gives us everything we need to follow. He gives us the strength and He gives us the grace. When we go back to our text, we find this gripping moment in the life of Jesus. Luke was telling us that He was in such agony that He was sweating drops of blood. Here Matthew says, He was sorrowful to the point of of death. The sorrow just consumed him. He manages the strength to go to his friends and he finds them sleeping. Somebody say, I hope Jesus doesn't find me sleeping when he comes looking for me. He finds them sleeping. He says, Couldn't you, men, keep watch with me for one hour? He asked Peter. Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The Spirit is willing but the flesh is weak. See, this reminds us that even when we are willing to take up our cross, the flesh is weak and we need the strength of Jesus. We need the words that St. Paul wrote to the Corinthians in 2 Corinthians 12, 9 and 10, but he, Jesus said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. Say this last sentence with me For when I am weak, then I am strong. Hear that today. You may be facing a decision a call, a word from the Lord to deny yourself and to sacrifice. And you may be this morning wavering. Should I? Can I? How will I? Hear the promise of Jesus that even when you're weak, when you think you can't be obedient and follow Him, He will give you what you need to do it. He will give you what you need. Jesus never calls us into the life of His mission without giving us the strength to follow in obedience. Hear that. He never will call you without equipping you and strengthening you and empowering you with His grace for the mission to which He has called you. The last idea for us to consider today is your cross and your heart. You consider that scene in the Garden of Gethsemane and you ask, how could he do it? From that moment of sweating drops of blood, drops of blood, asking the Father to take it away, and then hearing the answer, no, how did he have the resolve to continue? I mean, think about it. God said no to Jesus. One answer love. Just love. He was motivated by love for you and me. Ultimately, this is where we need to go with this conversation of taking up our cross. Our motivation to follow Jesus, even if it cost our very lives, will not be because of some checklist or an obligation or not be because somebody in our family was a Christian and so we need to do this too. No, it will be because we love him. And we love the people who need him. Let me say it again. It will be because we love him, and we need, we love the people who need him. When you have a compelling love for those who don't know Christ, we look upon our Savior. We see his love for us. And we know that He wants us to be a channel of this love and this blessing to others. When we see His sacrifice, we're compelled to sacrifice for others. We lay our lives before Him because we love Him. At the end of the day, we follow, we sacrifice, we serve, we go because we love Him. Larry and Jean Elliott became household names in our home for a while. Uh, My dad had the opportunity to go on a mission trip to Honduras, and Larry and Jean were the host missionaries. Every time my dad talked about them, he always said and always talked about their love for the people of Honduras. Years later, I was watching CNN one day, and I heard the names Larry and Jean Elliott Mentioned again, but this time it wasn't talking about their work; it was talking about their death. Larry and Jean were on a mission in uh, Mosul, Iraq, and they were at their the car they were in was ambushed, and they, along with two other missionaries, lost their lives. They spilled their blood for the cause of Christ. When they died, there were two funerals: one in in Cary, North Carolina and the other in Honduras. In Honduras a newspaper reported that buses and buses and buses of Hondurans came to their funeral. The Elliots were directly responsible for starting twelve churches, ninety-two mission points, and eighty water wells that provided clean drinking water. They would go into a town and 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 help with, with purifying water so that people could have a cold cup of water in the name of Jesus and then they would share The gospel. One article I read about them just grabbed my heart. It said they love the gospel and souls of lost men and women more than themselves. Let me say that again. They love the gospel and souls of lost men and women more than themselves. Their son Scott posted on his blog hours after learning about their death, Jesus Christ was glorified in their lives. He will be glorified in their deaths. People of God, hear these words. Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. Whoever loses their life for me will find it. I hope and pray that each one of us will accept this challenge and this invitation from our Lord to take up our cross and follow Him. I hope we will claim the promise that it is only when we take up our cross that we find His life for us. Amen and amen. Let's pray together. Lord God, we do stand at the beginning of this Holy Week in 2021. And we recognize that the arc of this week in the life of your Son, Jesus, started with this wonderful celebration and ended with the most glorious celebration, Easter Sunday. In between, God, we see the taking of His cross. Lord, He picked it up. He took it. He carried it. He was nailed to it. He died on it. So that we might live. God, I pray that as we journey through this Holy Week, that indeed we will take His love and His sacrifice into the very center of our hearts. And that we would hear His call and His promise The call to deny ourselves, to sacrifice, to take up our cross like Larry and Gene Elliott did. And to follow. And in so doing, we find the glory of the life that He wants for us, that He provides for us, that You give us as we follow. God, thank You for the cross of Christ. Now may we pick up ours and find life. In Jesus' name, amen.